one day a week you won't let me and he's like no not at all and so that was the nail in the coffin of just like i cannot work under this oppressive situation <laughs> even though Hey podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey, everybody. We're back for another edition of the podcast. I'm David Allen. Exciting guest, again, of course, for you today. His name is Paul Cortman. He is a nomad, him and his family. And he's into uh, marketing, uh, digital marketing agency, SEO, all that kind of good stuff. We're going to talk to him today. Paul Cortman, how are you? I am doing fantastic. And thanks so much, David, for having me on. Now, as a fellow uh, digital nomad, the first question I should probably ask you is, where are you? Well, we are stuck in a parking lot with a bunch of diesel semis around, so I apologize because just as you hit record, <laughs> the semi next to me decided to rev his engine. So, uh, that, but in the world, we're in Mexico. We're in a town called San Cristobal de las Casas. Okay. It's in the southern part of Mexico, almost to the border of Guatemala. And uh, it's a highly indigenous city. Mm -hmm. um, so you have your Mexican, your Spanish speakers, and then you have your uh, native Mexicans, so pre-Spanish era uh, population who, um, yeah, they, they wow. wear different clothes, they talk a different language. And so uh, it's a very unique situation. We've traveled around Mexico for the last year and a half, and this is the first time we've been um, you know, in a very indigenous situation. So it's that sounds very exciting, actually. And we're going to get to some of that uh, uh, sort of for our Takeover Tuesday audience later in the show. But uh, let's start with how you got yourself wrapped up in all of this. So start from like what you were doing prior to your uh, digital excursion, your nomadic lifestyle, and sort of bring us all the way up to speed. So we know, uh, you know, for the people who don't know much about you can sort of get a feel for who you are and where you're at. Cool. Well, I'm self-taught in everything that I do, and I kind of stick my nose into things and figure it out once I get in there. Right. Um, and so I am a certified nerd, uh, a system <laughs> administrator, uh, IT guy, and um, that that's where I was paying my way through college. Uh, I got a degree in a completely unrelated field, and it absolutely doesn't help me at all except to say I've got a bunch of BS. Um, and <laughs> then... Um, yeah. And then while I was, I was working for a traditional marketing agency as their system administrator, they had a web development uh, team and they were building websites and hosting around 200 websites. They were building $80,000 or $150,000 websites. Uh, and I was just like, and then they were doing print and traditional media all over the place. We had about 25 staff. And so that was enough to justify having an IT admin. I stuck my nose into one of their proposals and found out that they were proposing that they're doing SEO. And I was like, no, you guys aren't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, being a, being a nerd, I'm friends with the web developers and I'm like, no, you guys aren't, you don't know what you're talking about there. And they're like, Oh, Mr. Big Shot, you think you know what you're talking about? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I've read like three articles about it. So I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Long story short, they gave me a try on a couple of clients, uh, both SEO and PPC and uh, three years later, 
I had hired a replacement for myself. So there was another nerd who took care of all the computers and, uh, and hired three extra staff and built a digital marketing department within a marketing agency. Okay. Uh, and that staff has now, I mean, all the staff that I hired are still there. Uh, that staff has grown to be about 10 to 20, somewhere in that range. Um, and I've lost track over the time. But anyways, so I did all this and it was just like, growing like gangbusters. I had, you know, my network was growing huge. I had everybody knew who I was as far as our target audience and who we were trying to acquire. Mm -hmm. And so it was really a no brainer. Like I just say, Hey, we want to do this for you. And people would be like, yes, let's do it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, a guy approached me and said, kind of planted the seed of like, why are you doing this for them? And then I realized that I could really be doing this for myself. Uh, and so that thread started happening and I started thinking along those lines of what would it take and what would it be like. And at the same time, a co-working spot opened up in my neighborhood and I lived an hour away from the office. And so I said, hey, Mr. Boss Man, can I work, you know, instead of commuting, I'll still leave home at the same time one day a week and just telecommute from this co-working location one day a week. And he said, absolutely not. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, wow, flexibility, yeah. Yeah, I was listening to the Tropical MBA, right. and I mean, the four-hour work week was out, and this was all like telemarket or tele, I forget what it was even called, but where you would work remotely over the phone or whatever, mm -hmm. like this telecommuting was a very commonplace thing. Now we call it digital nomadism or right. remote work, but telecommuting was a very common thing. And so I was like, one day a week, you won't let me? And he's like, no, not at all. And so that was the nail in the coffin of just like, Mm. I cannot work under this oppressive situation, <laughs> even though it was the best job right. I ever had. Right. So I started my own business. Yeah, it's the, it's the I'm a millennial issue. And so like well, everything just, I, is perfect. I'm getting paid <laughs> massive money. And I go, wait, I can't work from home. I am being That's oppressed. It. This That's is it. awful. <laughs> yeah. I can't work under this so, Gestapo. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh and we're friends, you know, and right. I, like, I like the guy and, he, you know, I love their business and all this, but I was just like, no, this doesn't work for me. And so I stepped out on my own and uh, we had already had some kids and uh, had chosen to homeschool them. So here we were for a couple of years where I was working in the basement of our house, uh, had my, you know, stand up desk and it was all good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and my wife was teaching our kids upstairs. And then one day we were just like, why do we need this house? And why couldn't we do this from anywhere? Cause I hadn't met over half my clients. And so that, you know, that turned into what we have today, but it's still the same business. It's just, it was location independent. I didn't realize it was. Right. And so we fell into this lifestyle and decided to travel instead of having a house. But the business itself was just because I couldn't stand working for the man under the oppressive regime. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah, our first month out, we had 40 K in revenue, uh, in the nice. first month. And so, it's unlike any other business startup or solo entrepreneur startup. Like it just, I had employees my first month because I couldn't do it all. That's because you just had, had such a swamp of clients or you needed people to actually do the work or. Yeah, there was a combination of things. One, I didn't leave my agency, the, my previous employer in a lurch. I explained what I was going to do. I, mm. you know, gave a date and I was a month ahead and, you know, we worked on plenty of transitions and they just couldn't find somebody to replace me go figure that didn't help my ego or anything like that. But, uh, 
they couldn't find anybody to replace me. So then, you know, when the day after they called me up and said, listen, can we hire you to work these projects that you were already working that no one else can do? Mm. And uh, we'll pay you instead of your your normal rate, we'll pay you your freelancer rate. So overnight, I made triple to quadruple what I was making the day before. Now, I had already lined up. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, awesome. like, yeah, sure. I've got taxes and all this that I have to take care of myself. But that first year was just fantastic because they had signed contracts that they needed help with. Mm-hmm. And that bridged the gap as I then pulled in other clients who were like, yes, I want to work with you. But then I couldn't, you know, work with them until the day I stepped out. And so right. uh, that first, those first three months were crazy, but crazy in a good way because I had money coming in and work that needed to be done. And I was trying to sell. There was a backlog of people that wanted to work with me mm-hmm. that didn't want to pay the big agency rates of like 20,000 right. a month. And they wanted to work with me for a thousand a month. And right. I was happy for that. So, you know, there was a, a whole like switcheroo that was going on. But then once we got that all settled, uh, yeah, life was pretty good. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's a very interesting story. And I like that part about how the, the old company had to <laughs> turn around and hire you because I couldn't find anybody. And then you, you instantly <laughs> got, got a raise of sorts. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to, you know, teach a course on how to do this on how to make yourself irreplaceable. Yeah, you totally and, uh, totally then quit. Should. But I don't think, I mean, there's, it's, it's a serendipity. I, I think is totally it. It was in a, a marketplace where I was ahead of my time for mm. that geographic area. Right. And there was just no one else that knew what I knew and could and had the management skills. So, right. yeah, but so they, I, they've since hired people and right. they're good. And what part of the country were you in then? I was in uh, Michigan. So the Midwest okay. uh, in West Michigan. Nice. Very nice. All right. So you've, uh, you've escaped the, uh, the cubicle, so to speak. You were at home, and and then you had the money coming in, including your own uh, your your old company <laughs> that was hiring you. So you said at the time that you didn't realize that you were already location independent in sort of the way you understand it now. Uh, so what when did you make that transition? Well, that was three years later. Um, okay. We it was more long lines of I kept going to the city for the meetings. Okay. So I would meet with my some special clients or I would go to networking events so that people who knew who I was. And so I was keeping my network in my referral marketing uh, really warm. And, uh, and that paid off in dividends. I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't trace one client to one actor's actions and be able to say that because I was here, have a good process for bringing in new. Sorry about the rough internet, man. Yeah, no problem. Hey, it happens. Yeah, you said you didn't, uh, you're really working your referral network and stuff. Yeah, that's great. So maybe tell us more now. Yeah, so the referral network was working for me. But okay, right. Yeah, you can go ahead now, Paul, and talk, talk about the referrals or whatever. Okay, so referral networking was working for me, but it, you know, when I did leave home, it turned out that that wasn't going to work out for a long time because we were living in, uh, you know, considering Southeast Asia. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, sure, Singapore has a lot of money, but, you know, Chiang Mai, Thailand, it wasn't like I could go to a networking event and find my ideal client there. So um, I had to reconfigure my whole business and my whole sales technique. So 
while I was technically location independent, my, you know, considering an agency world, you have churn. And so you always have to be selling. And my sales process was location dependent. And I didn't find that out until I left and then went, oh, wait, everybody's <laughs> referring to my competition now. The, the year I left home, my competition had a gangbuster year and was hiring people left and right. And I was like, I oh, figured everything and now have a, a Oh, you're back. There you go. I'm back now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, well, that was an interesting discovery then that you, they were sort of tied your sales process and stuff and your referral marketing was sort of tied to where you were. And then when you left to go to Southeast Asia, you had to, you had to reconfigure that. That's very interesting. Now maybe let's dive into some of the, uh, cause it was primarily SEO you were doing for people. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. Um, okay. There was also another problem. I, I don't know if I can say this on your show, but <laughs> I was a whore. I will do anything for anybody as long as the money was right. And, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, it had to have some sort of vague connection to digital marketing, but that was very loose. Like, I remember I had one project where I was fixing somebody's spreadsheets and it was mm. like, really, why am I doing this? Um, and it, you know, it was because they needed it and they knew I was a really good guy. And so, uh, you know, I ended up doing that. Um, and I got a business coach and I learned about systematizing things and putting things into a process. And, uh, it, it took me a couple of years to get it worked down to a very smooth process, but throughout the course of my entire digital marketing career back, you know, when I was an IT, IT guy and I would say, Hey, you guys don't know what you're talking about SEO. I mean, I've been in the world of SEO for 12 years now. And so mm -hmm. like, I really know what I'm doing there. And despite everything constantly changing, there are three factors that just are steadily straightforward. This is what it is. This is what it means to have an optimized website or to, you know, try to improve your rankings. These three things always work time and again over the last 12 years. And my business coach really honed in on that and said, why are you doing it? anything else. Why not right. just these? And so we, um, I didn't believe that I could sell it. I didn't believe that I could do it well. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've, um, over the last, well, the last three years I've been working at this, getting it switched over to that. And a year ago we stopped taking on custom clients and, uh, we now have this process that is just fantastic. And it, it combines everything, my entire knowledge of the last 12 years in SEO and it's actually really simple. Like that's, they call it the simple beyond the complex right? of where you can understand something like how to drive a car. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to driving a race car, it gets really complicated. And then you get beyond that point of where, you know, professional race car drivers, it's so simple. They don't even think about it. Right. And so it's that simple beyond the complex. And that's, um, and that's where I'm at with SEO of just like, yeah, it just, it's really not, it is even me explaining it, it doesn't seem like rocket science, you know, because it's just driving <laughs> a race car. Right. Um, but, but yeah, so what it comes down to, because now that I've, you know, hinted at it for multiple, multiple times, now I'll actually <laughs> tell, tell the secret sauce. <laughs> it's not a secret. <laughs> um, you know, if you want to rank for something, A, you have to write about it. Right. And B, you have to have links coming back to your site and then C, the minor of it all. So those first two parts are 
you know, if you were to break up these and weigh them according to, or put them on a scale according to weight, writing about it is 45%. Having the backlinks is another 45%. And if you can do your math, that leaves 10% Mm -hmm. for the final area, which is the technical SEO of making sure you have H1s and H2s and Mm -hmm. titles and meta descriptions and all this. And everybody in the SEO world seems to focus on that third category technical SEO audits and making sure you have all the right plugins and everything's configured and you're optimizing your meta descriptions for every single post. And what I've found is I worked at that and I worked that for years and it never moved the needle. It never made money for my clients and it was like pointless to do that. And so by reconfiguring everything, we just focus on the first two. Yes, we have an audit where we can do the third, we can do the technical SEO audit of like, and we just run it through a process and say, here, go hire a developer and make them really happy because there's a bunch of things you need to fix. And we just bullet list it out. Here's what you need to fix. So yes, we can take care of that, but that's not going to make you money in the end of the day. It's not going to drive more traffic. It's just going to make sure that you're ready for the traffic or that you might move up by a half a degree. Whereas with the first two writing incredible content that applies to your target audience and the second getting those backlinks Writing incredible content, you can hire a really good copywriter and you can get really good content. Problem is, most of our clients, most of the businesses out there, they think about the wrong things when they write that content. And they're writing about their services or how they're special or toot their own horn or whatever. And it's like, nobody cares. Really, (laughs) nobody cares. And so what what we bring to the table is we actually tie the content with the backlink process and say, listen, let's go find an article that's out there. And for those of you who may be familiar with this, there actually is a a coined term to describe this technique and it's called the skyscraper technique. But what we do is we go out and we find an article that applies to your target audience that maybe, well, first of all, that has a lot of backlinks. We usually look for 100 referring domains or more. Uh, And so we start there and then we say, what's wrong with that article? Or could we improve upon it? Or, you know, is it really out of date? And is there a way that we can write a better article that the client would be super happy with, really proud of? And by the way, we get compliments on our content all the time. They're just like, oh, this is so great. I never would have thought to write this, but this is fantastic. And so we then we publish that on the, the client's website. And then we reach out to the people who link to the previous article that is old or outdated or crappy or just not well sourced as far as, mm-hmm. as, far as scientific material goes. And, uh, and we reach out to all those people and we say, hey, listen, we noticed that you're pointing to this, you're linking to this article. We have a better article and I think it would be, may apply to your users better if either A, you wrote a new post about our article or you just switched the link from your older content and switched it to our article Mm. and it's amazing so that's our our method of link building it's all above the board it's all white hat it's all very understood and it's organically organic is an overused term um it's natural in far in so far as how it grows because it's not like we hit a switch and suddenly you have 10 backlinks it's you post an article and over the next three to six weeks you get 10 backlinks because, you know, some people take longer to switch contents or switch links. Some people, you know, whatever. And it's already websites that have talked about similar content. And so it's all within the 
correct wheelhouse. So we have found, and now SEO is a slow game, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can make some changes today and you're not going to realize the full benefit of that for three to six months. We've had multiple clients with us now working this once a month for six months and we've doubled their organic traffic in the span of six months. Wow. And, uh, and their sales, their sales have gone up fairly significantly. We've got two clients that are just like, and I don't even have to pick up the phone and do cold calling anymore. Like right. my leads are coming to me. And, uh, and it's because organic, you know, all the fad about social media, like, yes, I'm still very social and very up on social media. The thing is, it doesn't drive sales for the yeah. majority of businesses out there. Right. It's, a, it's, a, it's a brand awareness. It's how to stay in touch and contact, but it's not going to drive sales. Right. Organic search drives conversions and sales all the time because you're dealing with somebody who's searching for, they're saying they have a problem and they're looking for your business and your ability to solve. And so yeah. you just need to get in front of them and boom, you have a new client. That's great. Those are some really good, uh, it's interesting because I, I don't know a lot about SEO and, and then I'm in that end of the, of the marketing world. And so that's very, uh, very interesting to hear how that's uh, approached. Uh, of course, I know the writing end of it, but it's very interesting how those things fit together. And the fact that, you know, that SEO does seem like the people who are involved on a daily basis with SEO or, or have their own you know, agencies or whatnot. It like, to me, it always seems sort of like this, I thought of it the way that you spoke about it, which was like the last 10%, you know, whereas I also am I'm familiar with a bunch of friends. Highly technical. Exactly. Like this, like, you know, really like, nerdy stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like almost like this. Uh, well, of course, and that doesn't help that you see the stuff you do see often, like you said, are is focused on that 10%. And also you see a ton of stuff where people are like selling backlinks or, or doing the blood, the black hat stuff, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. And backlinks is the sketchiest place. You know, right. like it, I don't, we don't even advertise that we sell backlinks like, cause we don't, we, you know, we bring you warm leads by increasing your rank through backlinks and really great content. Um, and so it's, you know, we actually talk about, we sell the skyscraper SEO technique as a done for you process because I'll teach the technique all day long. Mm -hmm. A, because I learned it from a public space from Brian Dean over at Backlinko and, and like we learned it, we tried it on a few clients. We found out what worked and what didn't work. And it's amazing how many of our clients have tried that some form of this process mm -hmm. and they come back to us and they're just like, A, I don't have the time or it didn't work. What did I do wrong? And because we've been doing it for over a year now, it's very easy for me to, to pick apart uh, a skyscraper campaign and to say, listen, your content was too focused on this or, it, you know, it's just not link worthy. Um, whereas like, you know, and then your outreach sucked for this reason or you just didn't do enough of it. Um, and, and it's, I mean, it is a lot of work. We send out at least a thousand emails a day. And uh, so to give you, you know, some sort of context there, um, and, and that's at half of our capacity. We could be sending 2,000 emails a day, um, you know, based on our current staff structure size. And that's just like we need to send out that many because the conversion rate is so low. Um, and yes, we could do it differently and send out one really, really, really personalized email, you know, really get to know that person and all that, but it doesn't scale. Right. And, uh, and so in our situation, what we did is we took a technique and we said, how can we make this scale? Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and it's hard work. I mean, I tell you what, my staff comes to me every day, like I'm behind on my Trello cards, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I know there's just a lot of work to do, but we, you know, we get it done and it, you know, and it's, it's, it's gold because so many people are selling this technical SEO stuff. And then there's the scammers in the black hat link building and link buying stuff. And it's like, no, in reality, anybody can acquire links. You could sit down right now and think of 10 or 15 people who own a website or manage a website who you could convince in some way, shape, or form to link to you. You might have to write a different piece of content or a different article. It might, instead of being focused on, you know, your your drone product that you're selling, you might focus on marketing or you might focus on digital nomadism or something like that. But you know that there are ways that you can create content. You can do something on your website that you could ask 10 to 15 people to link back to you. Now just do that every month and you will have just as much success as what we're providing, but it's a lot of work and people don't do it. And so people out there want to get in touch with Paul, you get nomad together and he'll, uh, uh, we'll have some show notes, include a bunch of links he thinks are pertinent uh, for people to get involved. And I just want to thank you, Paul, for coming on the show because this has been one of my favorites. Awesome. Well, David, it's been a joy to talk to you and through all the internet woes, because you know, <laughs> I still do live in a developing world, but uh, it is I, still amazing. So I feel, I feel for you. I've done podcasts from a, from a parking lot, not in Mexico, mind you, but uh, from a parking lot. And uh, I, I, I hear you, man. awesome well thanks for having me and thanks for letting me be an inspiration because um yeah if we can just get the word out there that you can do it whatever it is you want to do you really can now is the time awesome well hang on the line there for a sec paul for everybody else of course we'll be back with another edition of the podcast and hopefully uh you know we'll have another world beater uh, like paul and his family uh to talk about as many interesting things as we did today until then Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.